As we come to look at the God's Word, let's pray. And the three lines of the chorus that we've sung stick in my mind very much. Lord, I come to you. Hold me close. And Lord, unveil my eyes. In Jesus' name. Amen. The topic we're going to look at tonight, and I mean just look at, because it's an enormous topic, is how much really of the Word is in our lives? How much do we apply the Word? How much do we rely on it? And particularly, three sort of aspects of it. First of all, the authority. Secondly, use of the tongue. And thirdly, about healing. Now, it won't be a, a, a total picture. It'll be just something to keep us going and thinking about and stirring our minds. That's mainly the aim tonight. Uh, there are various authors who've helped me in the preparation of time. I'm not going to say who they are, because unless people form opinions of authors and say, oh, my God, this is that, it's rubbish. So what I will say is that if you want to discuss with me another time, that's another matter. Um, one author was already meeting in the city in America. And one afternoon, while giving an address on the name of Jesus, a lawyer interrupted him, saying, do you mean to say that Jesus gave the power of attorney the legal right to use his name? I said to him, brother, you are a lawyer and I'm a layman. Tell me, did Jesus give the power of attorney? He said, if language means anything, then Jesus gave to the church the power of attorney. And I asked him, what's the value of this power of attorney? He answered, it depends upon how much there is back of it how much authority, how much power this name represents. Which is a very powerful way of looking, saying, what authority have we been given? Before we go any further, as Paul, we are servants, nothing more. But I believe we've been given delegated authority, which Jesus gave a great commission to use today. If we take our privileges and rights and new covenant and pray in Jesus' name, it passes out of our hands into the hands of Jesus because we're praying to, in, in his name. He then has responsibility of that prayer and he always says in words, Father, I thank you that you always hear me and you've heard me always. That's what he said. In other words, we know Jesus, Father hears Jesus' um, words and we pray in Jesus' name as though Jesus himself were doing the praying. He takes our place. And what this means, and some people say, you can't say this, it places prayer on legal ground, it makes it a, a business proposition. Now that is not people what think of that prayer as being. When we pray, we think it's a place here to carry out his will, and he takes our place for the Father. And of course, he said that we can use these, this prayer, this authority, in many, many different ways. The power and authority in Jesus' name. Well, we know that in Philippians 2, it's that every tongue, every initial bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father. See, Jesus' name was being used as being all powerful against anything turning against it. And that I believe, because we're his God's family, we have that power and delegated authority to use. It's important that we know the name of Jesus has um, a lot of authority behind it. Because, as Master Hebrews says, 
very, very thoroughly. In many types of revelations and different ways, God spoke about to our fathers. But in the last day, he's spoken to us in the person of a son, whom he appointed heir and lawful owner of all things, also by whom and through whom he created the world, and which is the space and ages of time. He is a solid expression of the glory of God, and is the perfect imprint of the very image of God's nature, upholding and maintaining and guiding the propelling universe by his mighty word of power. When he, by offering himself, accomplished our cleansing of sins and witness of guilt, he sat down at the right hand of the divine majesty on high, taking a place and rank by which he himself became as much superior to angels as the glorious name which he's inherited is different and far more excellent than theirs. So, what Paul was saying there is that God has, Jesus has inherited a name, a name made great by his achievements. Jesus has a name conferred upon him. And Jesus' name has been given to us for at least three reasons. One is to use the, the right to use his um, name against our enemies. Another one is the right to use the name in our petitions. And the third thing is the right to use the name in our praises and our worship. And going on from this, we need to understand what happened between the cross and the throne. It's not often that I've in scripture, except that Luke 11 has a very, very interesting thing. This was talking about uh, to people about the social reality. He said, when the strong man put the arm, um, guards his dwelling, his belongings are undisturbed. But when one stronger than him attacks him and conquers him, he robs him of his whole armor on which he had relied and divides up and distributes all his goods. And that's what he did. He actually defeated Satan in hell, rose again from the dead, and said to the right hand of the arm, and he robbed him his whole armor. He robbed him of power, most importantly to know. So we have no reason to be afraid of him. He robbed him of his power, and he divided up the service of all his goods, all people he held in bondage. I remember the Great Commission. He said, all authority has been given to me, therefore you go. And the emperor says, I give authority to you now, you go and take over. You do my will on this earth. I commission you to do it. And you look at the um, book of Acts and see how the early church relied on the name of Jesus. You were left in no doubt how powerfully they knew the effect of that name. And because we are a member of the family, we like to use that name. And the conclusion of that is, what is mine, I don't need faith to use. It is mine, right? because I'm in the family. Now that is something which is people don't often think about. The name takes the place of Jesus. Now there's one very, very telling story in Matthew's Gospel, where Jesus is confronted by a centurion. You know the story, I'm sure. And he's saying, um, um, my servant boy is lying in the house paralyzed and distressed with intense pain. He said to him, I will come to him. But the sentence went back to Lord, I am not worthy or fit to have you come into my room, but only speak the word, and my servant boy will be cured. For I also am a man subject to authority. That's the link, the authority. The soul summoned to me, and I said to one, Go and he goes, to another, Come and he comes, and to my slave, Do this and he does it. It is certain he marvels at those who followed him. I tell you truly, I have not found so much faith as anyone, even in Israel. Because he knew he had authority. 
if you said something that was going to happen, it was going to happen. He knew about authority. That was a very wonderful moment. We had in all our readings, Isaiah 53, Jesus having authority over sickness and disease in the sense of he suffered for us on our behalf. And the one might have said, if he's just suffered, why do we have to bear that as those problems? They were born for us. As Isaiah 53 says, and Matthew 8, 17 says exactly the same thing. Actually, says that was going to happen. This fulfilled the prophecy. It's a bit like this. Imagine you went to have a party. And the lights on, you went to have, uh, you the angel of the said, please, I can have a party. Can you put the lights on for me? And I want to have some nice soft music. What did they say? You've got the contract, you've got the power, use it. All we have to do is flick the switch, in fact. If we do that, I'll say this, there'll be revolution by revelation. That's what it is. Revolution by revelation. And the name of Jesus has the same power as if he was physically present with us. I had a confession of that, and so did my wife Liz too. We were going to uh, CWR at Waverley Abbey. And about two thousand away through the journey, we'd been reading a, a Christian book. She suddenly felt very ill indeed. I bet you I'll have to die. So I said, use the name of Jesus at the time, and I prayed in tongues for that quarter an hour, and then it passed. If I had no name of Jesus and authority then, I'd been to the hospital, we wasted the whole day, probably have any, 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 any results, and, and we'd have missed the whole message. There's a choice to be made, and it's tough. Very tough. But <laughs> it happens. John 10.10, 10, that's a wonderful verse, which you know about. The thief comes only in order to seal, kill, and destroy. I came they may have and enjoy life, have it in abundance, to the full, till it overflows. But what's in the way? Who is in the way of that? 1 Peter 5 says, be well balanced, tempered, and um, sober of mind, be vigilant and cautious at all times. That enemy of yours, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion in fierce anger, seeking whom some to seize one and withstand as well. Withstand him. Be firm in your faith. You know, the things happens and what appointed to your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you sat a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Jesus Christ will himself complete and make you what you ought to be, establish and ground you securely and strengthen and settle you. Peter didn't say, God will do it for you. He said, you withstand him. This is what called to do. And he will flee from you, not from God. He's already done that. He said, You will flee from you. So often, one person said, Things don't get done at us because we're saying, God, will you please do it? He said, No, you do. I've given you the authority to do it. Get on and do it. And what we like to come in our lives will affect our lives for good or ill towards God or away from Him. And you see, when we do work on things here, if we are standing, be firm in your faith, and after the little one, God of all grace will do things for you. So it's important that we know the fact of authority. It's also important <coughs> that we know that part of that authority 
is used in our tongue. And there's a story told, which is very sad, not to skim over it, but to give you an idea of it, of um, someone in that stitch who was, uh, the church was getting onto the idea of God healing people through the word of God. And um, he came to this church, and a few days before, they had a, a funeral of a, a youngster who had been in a coma for six weeks. And the pan, there had been a lot of stress in the family. Um, and she, this woman, has simply has said to this, this, um, this boy, I hate you, get out of my house and never come back again. And she got what she asked for. The boy, being hurt by his mother, he violated his school policy, left the school grounds, went over to another kid's church house to his lunch. While they were there, they got out the gun and were playing with, and the boy accidentally shot himself in the head. All because of being hurt by words. It happens. James 3.16 says, Whenever anything is strife is, there's confusion in every evil work. And Corinthians 14.33 says, God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. And there wasn't peace in that household. As Paul says, don't give any foothold to the devil. Through our tongues is one where error can happen. How often are we hung by our tongues, they say, very, very easily. How do you manage our family? <clears throat> One person like into a viper in the house. That's what the tongue can be. Tongue can division, strife, and rebellion. That is the enemy at foothold. <clears throat> and also, another thing we need to think about is obviously what we actually allow into our systems. It depends on what we tell us to watch on television, for example. And 1 Corinthians 15, says, Do not be deceived and misled. Evil companionships were corrupt and depraved good manners and morals and character. And there you have it. One person very likely says, Sin will take you further than you want to go, cost you more than you want to pay, and keep you longer than you want to stay. It's a very, very good description of that. Let's uh, go to the quicker things. Ephesians 47, leave no such room or foothold for the devil. Give no opportunity to him. A thought doesn't become your own. It doesn't become your own when you speak it out. As one person said very famously, you can, can't have a bird from people flying over your head, but you can stop from making landing and making a nest there. Obviously, that's what it's doing. I'm going from the use of the, the tongue. We come to the idea of healing, because there's authority in that too. Now, I don't say for a second that I know all the answers to healing. I don't. Nobody does. But <clears throat> what we can say is I refuse to speak to any contrary to what I'm believing for. What do you say to, to people asking, ask well, how are you? Do you go about all your troubles and spend that for a long time? Or do you say, there are problems that the Lord is dealing with? The big difference there. And without naming any names, I hear people in this church saying that very thing. They've gone about their problems. I'm saying, what? Why are you doing that? Why are you saying these are your problems? And the spiritual can actually not have them like for your problems. Now, if you think I'm ever doing this, Jesus once said, 
But I tell you, on the day of judgment, men will have to give an account for every idle, inoperative, non-working word they speak. For by your words you will be justified and acquitted, and by your words you will be uh, condemned and sentenced. That's what he thought about that situation. He took it very seriously. We need to follow God's word obediently, and when we disobey, we have not a daughter or enemy. It's not nothing the famous Bible of Chris Cotting's best instructions before leaving earth. It is. And remember, <clears throat> in this topic, particularly of the tongue, which is linked to healing sometimes, a man's self shall be filled with the fruit of his mouth, and with the consequences of his words, he must be satisfied. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it. And how many people have recognized that too late? Shall we all have? When we come to healing, another important part which I'll link to the tongue is confession. What kind of confession do we have? Do we say that I've been Jesus, I have been healed? And then say, well, the pain's still there, but we've got to happen. We have to hang on to Hebrews, hang on to without wavering. And if we do that, that pain has to submit to the name of Jesus, given time. We've been baptized in that name publicly, that's the name of Jesus. Spiritually, we've been put in the name and put into Christ by the new birth, so that we're now in the vine on the branches, and the vine is Christ. We are in Christ, and being in Christ, we have a right to use his name, and so that name representatively, legally. This glorifies the Father, and it finds Jesus, and also the need of humanity. Big words, those. Very big words. But supernatural power is available to every believer. The question really of using the power that's been legally given to me and to every believer. That's the important part of it. So we can come to the conclusion that Isaiah 53, Satan hasn't had, had any right to impose itself on us, and Satan hasn't got any right to impose any diseases upon us. We actually are being freed by that action of Jesus on the cross. And we can come and Satan with that in line that you have no right to do this to me. And behind the word is the eternal throne of God. If you remember that too. He's even said, heaven and earth will pass away, my words never pass away. If you looked to what happened in the early church with the authority, Peter and John just said to the man in the gate, I'm not going to pray for you. We have what we, what we have, we give you. And then Jesus Christ rise up. They only had the name. That was sufficient. So Hedrick said, but in order that the man not be said anything among the people in the nation, let us warn and forbid them with a stern threat to speak no more to anyone in this name. So some of them instructed them not to converse in any way or teach at all or about the name of Jesus. Do you mean modern ring coming to that? People trying to suppress the church even today, as we know. And here it is, 
but Sanhedrin was scared of that name. I'm just scared of it. They had no answer. And now the house got built. And when they came back, the apostles prayed, then now Lord, is that thou threats and gone to your servants? For freedom to declare your message fearlessly, while you fetch up your hand to cure and perform the signs and wonders through the authority and the power, the name of your holy child and servant Jesus. Now again, the name. And after the apostles had been um, put on trial again, they went out from the presence and from the council, rejoicing they had been counted worthy to suffer shame and to be exposed to disgrace for the sake of the name. There it is again. Council of Jerusalem, James says, Peter has rehearsed how God first wanted the Gentiles to take out in the people to bear and honor his name. There it is again. And finally, Paul, when he was giving a testimony to Agrippa, said, I myself was once persuaded that it was my duty to do many things contrary to and in defiance of the name of Jesus of Nazareth. When two came together, who won? Jesus named it. I believe God said, This man's too good to me, not have my kingdom. <laughs> Simple as that. Can anything take the place of Jesus' name? No, you can't. Really come on. The name took the place of the center of the law, and those who would say that healing is not for today, you look at Paul's preaching in the epistles. He gave the name of Jesus a prominence that cannot be denied. And we all mentioned Acts 3 already. I believe you want to see more people in God's kingdom. One of the ways we shall see is through healing. One bishop said in Africa, healing is a bell for the gospel. And it certainly is. Some people want to not be converted except by a miracle, which goes beyond the mind, the five senses, and the logical argument. It happened. There's one incredible verse in the Psalms, which I find quite hard to take in. I'll tell you that now. <clears throat> he says this, David says this, I worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and for your truth and faithfulness. For you have exalted above all else your name and your word, and you have magnified your word above all your name. Now I think David is very powerful, and then magnified the word above the name shows the importance of it. I hope we treasure our Bibles and read them. Because if we take them to heart, a lot can happen in our lives. It's going to be very good. It will astound something. It may cause a lot of controversy. Probably will be. But this is preaching too. And finally, let's be thankful that we have this Bible. People in the past didn't have it. Let's be thankful we have it. And God has spoken to us through it. And he said, I've given you authority. The authority in here is the authority that I want you to use and have. And if you use it, I'm going to be glorified. That's the most important thing. Not us. God's going to be glorified. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the dedicated authority you've given us. Help us to use it wisely in accordance with your word and to honor the name of Jesus. In his name we ask it. Amen.
Thank you, Richard. There seems to be a theme coming through today. We were talking this morning about how we can glorify the Lord, how we can carry the glory of the Lord. And tonight we're thinking about authority, we're thinking about self-control, and we're thinking about standing on his word. So let's just take just a few moments just to reflect on all that Richard has shared with us today. So many parts of scripture, but all of them joined up with one key message that the name of Jesus, there is power in the name of Jesus. He is on the throne. And he calls us to be his servants. And by his word, he calls us to more. Spirit, I call this in our lives. And in the lives of all who come to this place to worship. indulge me the uh, the idea of, of Tete. I'd like to use the first one, bless the Lord my soul. We are blessing our souls, we are blessing to God and bless God's holy name. Bless the Lord my soul who leads me into life. 